systems can be your best friend and they can also be your worst enemy. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Business Operations. Today, I'm joined by Susan Beaver, the Director of Global Partner Program Success and Operations at TIBCO. How are you doing, Susan? I am doing really well. How are you? I'm good. I can't complain. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. So today, Susan and I will be discussing optimizing your operations infrastructure, which I'm really excited to dig into. But first, I have a couple of brief announcements for you all. Next week, my co-host Sagi, also the founder and CEO of Tonkin, will be chatting with Julie Bainbridge, the global head of customer operations at Qualtrics. Then the week after that, I'll be joined by William Cordes, the Director of Business Operations at Red Hat. So stay tuned. Keep listening. We're going to have some great chats coming up. So Susan, let's let's jump into our chat. Would you mind sharing just a little bit about your background? Oh, sure. I have probably, I don't know, 25, 30 years in operations experience uh, with a couple of different companies. I started my career out actually as a production engineer, because I have a chemistry degree, that involved, believe it or not, a lot of operational components to it, which is kind of where I learned a lot of my foundational techniques and methodologies that I use. But I quickly moved to a company called Avaya. Now, started out as AT&T, Bell Labs, went to Lucent, went to Avaya. I was there for about 25 years in I had at least five different careers there. It was a fantastic experience. And most of them were in the, let's call it partner or channel space, starting out working with distributors and operationally how we support them and what they need, and then moving into caring for both distribution as well as uh, partner operations and their partner program. That was very focused on a two-tier distribution model where you're working through a distributor to get to your partner, to get to your customer. I made a change about uh, four years ago and moved to a company called Information Builders, which is a software-based company. It was a great move. I did not have a tremendous amount of software-only experience under my belt, and it gave me a great opportunity to leverage all the skills I had put together to that point and apply that in a new and exciting way in a software company. A year ago, Information Builders was purchased by TIBCO, and I had the opportunity to join TIBCO and join their partner operations team and leading now both uh, the global program as well as the global operations. So it's been, for me, a great career. And all I've done is uh, say yes anytime an opportunity came out up and it's it's worked out pretty well for me. It sounds like your standard operations professional just saying, yes, I can do it. Yes, I can do it. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've had a really interesting career path and I like to focus on that, especially at the forefront of a conversation, because I think so many people in operations sort of fall into their career. And so it can be very uncharted. And so I think it's valuable for them to hear from someone like you about how you got to where you are so that there can be sort of a blueprint built out for operations professionals. Okay, great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
for those listening in live, we do have a live audience on this call. If anyone has questions for Susan during our chat, feel free to just drop them in the chat box and we'll get those addressed as they come in. So if anything comes up, don't hesitate to ask. We love having your guys' input. So Susan, can you give a high level of what TIPCO does? Oh, sure. TIPCO is a software uh, company. Really what we do is we help solve the world's most challenging data problems. We provide a platform that helps customers connect, unify, and predict through that limitless power of data. You know, we all, every company has data. They have a lot of data. And what we do is we help them actually make intelligent business decisions, you know, with that data. And we are definitely in a model of continuous innovation with this connected intelligence platform that we have. And it really seamlessly connects, intelligently unifies, and confidently predicts to create that impactful business value with faster, smarter decisions. So it is a great tool, very relevant in the world today with um, the challenges we've been facing over the last couple of years. You know, as we've all heard, data has really been very important in analyzing our situation and how that situation is changing. So we can make some decisions for how we continue to move forward. A hundred percent. When the world is so in flux, data Mm -hmm. is kind of the only thing we can rely on to, to move forward. Yeah. So you've spent the last, what, 20 plus years overhauling existing processes and implementing new ones. What's kind of been your biggest takeaway from that? Oh, wow. Well, that is a great question. And I think I'd answer with a couple of them. Okay. Sorry, not just one. (laughs) I think my biggest takeaway leading towards success is to always start from your customer's perspective. Okay. And I'm using the word customer very broadly because your customer could be an internal customer. In in the case of what I do, for example, that would be our partner sales team, right? They work for TIBCO, they interface with our partners, but they are a a very important customer um, in the operational infrastructure that we're working on. They could be external as well. And in the case of my piece of the business, my customer are our partners the folks that we're doing business with and are participating in our program, um, or in the case of, you know, the example I'm, I'm sharing with you, it could be both. You know, you could have partners, uh, could have customers in both areas that you need to really focus on as you're doing this. So that has become a very uh, critical success factor, I found. Another thing that is, I think, a good takeaway, you know, While you're looking to overhaul and improve something, you got to make sure you understand where you're starting from, you know, what exists. You want to make sure you also understand that end to end, because in many businesses, we have organizations, multiple organizations that play a role in every process. Um, And you need to make sure you understand that end to end process, not just your piece of it because it allows you to make your piece better. And it also allows you to include those key receivers and those key deliverables to you in that process. And then they can identify areas for enhancement, improvement, you know, overhaul, whichever word that you want to use. Obviously, I think the obvious one in in this space is 
make sure you challenge the status quo and continually ask why, right? And, and the last one is systems can be your best friend and they can also be your worst enemy. So you really have to be eyes wide open when you're working with systems because a system is only as good as the business process that built it. And so you have to make sure that you build your business processes first and then go to the systems. And a, a lot of times that gets missed. A lot of times people say, oh, we just have to fix the system. We just have to fix the tools. Well, really, you've got to get that business process right. Okay. And then the last thing I would say is never overlook the people factor in your success in the space. I love that. A system can be your best friend or your worst enemy. I think everyone has been in both of those situations, maybe even with the same system, right? (laughs) Depending on the day of the week. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I want to dig into more into our topic of how you approach overhauling an existing process. So what steps lead you to that decision? Like what methodology do you follow when you're doing that? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question, Brianna. Normally, there are usually pretty clear signs that a process is not working. It might be the frequency of escalations that you're seeing. It might be the time that it takes to complete that process. It might be consistent points of bottleneck or failure. Something is going to tell you that, you know, this just isn't working the way you had planned, right? Um, The approach that we take is to document that current process in detail or Um, refresh any documentation that might exist, right? And as you do that, identify those challenge points and improvement opportunities. And what's interesting is my team just did that for 42 processes that we own. Thankfully, I have a very motivated team. (laughs) Um, And they did that pretty quickly. And then, of course, it's the, well, now what do we do with all this, right? So we took the route of rating each process kind of based on the magnitude of the improvement we felt was needed, the impact on our customers' experience with TIPCO, and that being our partners predominantly. We really started with our partners. Then the impact on our sales team's experience Lastly, alignment with our organizational and corporate strategies to, you know, give each process, I'd almost say like a score, you could call it a score. And that helps you then give you your priorities for what you can touch and and create the most impact. So you get a prioritized list. Then when you have that list, what we are doing is we are working down that priority list in a couple of parallel paths. We don't want to pressure or overstress the system too much. So the first path we look at is, well, what on this list can we improve that's within our scope? So we know we have X amount of bandwidth and you know we can address it. So we have that path. Then we have another path, which is, okay, Um, What are the projects where we really need other organizations to be working side by side with us to improve how much bandwidth do they have? And then that third space is the dreaded frenemy, the systems, you know, where, which of these require system impacting changes 
to improve. And we really kind of run that as a, as like a third track. And you can run those all in parallel, which allows you to uh, get more done in a similar kind of time frame. I love that. So <laughs> rate each process, magnitude, impact, and alignment. That's a really good takeaway for anyone listening in is you have a clear process on it. And it sounds like it can work at both large and small companies. You know, I think so. I've used this approach and kind of modified it with each uh, company that, you know, I've been a part of, starting out with AT&T, Lucent, and Avaya, those were fairly large companies. And, you know, that that did work very well. And then using it in Formation Builders, which was a much, much smaller company, you know, it, it worked well. And then now using that at Chipco, which is like kind of in between the two, to be honest with you, in terms of size, you know, it seems to be a model that's allowing us to make progress Um, And we're actually starting to get feedback, um, very positive feedback on results that it's driving. Sounds like you need to write a book on this. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I'd have to find the time. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. So anyone else who's listening live, I'm going to keep chatting with Susan, but feel free to start firing off some questions if you have any for her. So who do you rely on internally when you're overhauling a process and sort of what relationship should ops folks be focusing on? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, I'm sure everybody on this call that's in operations probably realizes that operations tends to touch most of the organizations, if not all of them in a business, you know, we were thinking about that list and even HR is a factor a lot of times in you know what you're doing, but it's you know sales, marketing, finance, revenue recognition, legal, IT, corporate leadership, you know, you name it. At at some point in time, you're touching it. And in many cases, you know, we're working with these folks on a daily basis. You know, what I tend to do is for each, let's call it process that we're overhauling is try to make sure I identify all of the right impacted organizations that touch this or that we deliver to or that deliver to us and make sure that we include them in the project and the process. And that doesn't necessarily always mean you're setting up large meetings that you have a large number of people in all the time to do this. There are other formal and informal ways to make sure you have them aware and educated on what you're doing and why, right? And then you have them help participate in that design of the new. You know, I am sure that outside looking in, they see gaps that they can help you with. They may be aware, I found this at TIBCO quite a bit, you know, they may be aware of other initiatives that are going on or other processes that actually you could kind of mirror, 
that might make it much easier for you to get what you're trying to do in place. So the more you can network as part of this, the better. Um, I know that I have seen many times a lot of people kind of want to keep it close and, you know, don't don't want to go out too early and want to have it all buttoned up in a nice little package before they go out. I, I've pretty much have learned going out sooner and, and early in the process actually it gets you more. So I would definitely recommend that. That's the best I can give you. There's no there's no one relationship necessarily that would be the, the strongest. Yeah. In that. Yeah. I think just, yeah, getting in and make building those relationships as early as possible is great advice for anything like that. And especially in ops, I'm sure you get a lot of sort of negative energy if someone's experiencing an issue. And so having that rapport with someone definitely helps. I imagine it does. does. Yeah. Without question that that negative energy might still come in, but it does come in a little differently when you have that. Yeah. 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 And so, and I I would say ops people have to it, it's hard being an ops person. It's a very <laughs> demanding role in any business in any company and you do really have to consciously make a choice to find the positive and to really work on those relationships so that your days are made a little easier by that discord coming in in a more friendly manner, right? Well said. We have a question from Aurelian from our live audience. How important are digital technologies to help you run processes with your people? Um, I don't know that they are critical to, to doing that. You know, we're using standard um, systems. Of course, one we rely on heavily is like a Salesforce it tends to give us everything that we need. So for for us and for the types of processes that we are running, it's not as much the tools as it is making sure that all the steps are appropriately in place and that we are doing things in as streamlined of a fashion as possible. And I'm not sure new tools would help us do that. I think that's really well put. I think there can be too much of an emphasis on the technology and less on how you're using it and how you plan to use it and yeah. the strategy behind it. Yeah. So, and, and I would actually say it's easier. The more you can put in one tool, the easier it is. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Way l- fewer apps, fewer tools is yeah. very important. Yes, it is. We have a, another question from Alexandra saying that is a great point. Many of the tools have the same results. What is the different factor there is change management and implementation? Yes. Alexandra, you are spot on. None of this happens if you don't have a change management plan without question. Wow. I have found that um, as I've done those, you have to consider everyone in that plan. (laughs) Even people you don't think are impacted by it. Um, And a good recent example for uh, myself in my role is we made some fairly significant enhancements in our partner program going into 2022. We thought we put together a really good change management plan. Um, And not only did we focus externally with our partners, who are really the key customer 
for that because it impacts them the most. Also, we addressed our internal audiences and not only our partner sales team, but also our direct sales team. And I have to tell you in that rollout, I was the most surprised by the engagement of our direct sales team and how often I was meeting with them because they had questions and how deeply they wanted to understand what we were doing for the partners. And I didn't probably plan in my change management plan as well as I should have for that depth of understanding that they were looking for. So that was a, a good lesson learned for me here, you know, just recently over the first quarter. I mean, it's always good to hear that a sales team is really interested in, <laughs> in the background and the True. operations, <laughs> but it, it can be somewhat unexpected, I imagine. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> so what advice do you have for ops professionals who are a little bit earlier on in their careers? Ah. <sighs> Well, congratulations if you've chosen operations. I, I can tell you your days will never be boring. If you like, you know, driving change and, and creating business results, it's a great part of the business to work in. And in fact, I will share, I have a daughter-in-law who has moved into sales operations and I could not be more pleased or proud. And she's 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 doing very, very well, but it's no one else in my family had ever decided to do anything. <laughs> That was near what I was doing. So it was great. <laughs> you know, I have a couple of just things that I've learned, right? So I'm coming back to making sure you identify and listen to your customers and stakeholders. Another very important point is seek to understand and then be understood when it comes to all of this. You know, back to the point of you may have great ideas for where you think this needs to go, but make sure you find out where you are first, right, in, in depth, because you may find that some of those ideas are good, but maybe, you know, it's three out of five that really can be used. Maybe the other two are already there, but you just haven't seen it yet. Question everything, but, or, and at the same time, make sure you respect the history, whether you agree with it or not. Because more likely than not, you're in a business, uh, all businesses have an operational history, all of them, right? To some degree, some more further down the road in terms of how entrenched they are in that um, versus some that might be a little newer and you have a little bit more flexibility like a startup. But, you know, you need to understand why they are where they are. Okay, that really helps you build the future design, because keeping in mind this whole notion of a change management plan, you can only move a business so far so fast. Right. I would also say make sure you rely on and enroll the people that do have long term experience with the business, you know, and embrace people that are new coming in that see it with fresh eyes. You know, you have to really really make sure you're paying attention to both because there is no right or wrong answer in this case. It's all about how do we get this to the best place possible as quickly as we can so that our team starts seeing relief or our partner experience improves or, you know, whatever that is. And those people with the long-term experience in the business are going to be huge to that change management success that we've been talking about. Another thing I would say is be really bold 
don't be afraid to address the unpopular topics and opportunities or the thing that everybody goes, oh, you don't want to look at that, <laughs> you know? Uh, those are probably the things you should be looking at. Um, and it's uh, it's definitely a way for you to find an area where you can make a difference for the business, right? And kind of prove yourself, you know, start there, demonstrate results, you know, and as you handle that well, you know, all kinds of additional opportunities are really going to uh, come up for you, you know? And again, don't, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, the more we can say yes and, and branch out and get new experiences that are really scary, and I, I've had many of them every day, you know, the more we learn, you know, no one knows everything, you know, and I think the times when, um, you know, we feel the most scared is when we're growing the most. Yeah, really well said and incredible career advice from a seasoned operations professional. So thank you for sharing that season. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Well, we are all out of time here. So thank you to everyone who listened in live and really appreciate you, Susan, sharing your career advice with all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brianna. Thank you all. Have a great day. Have a great day, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 